Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to take a deep dive look into Andor Episode 4 titled Althani. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. We look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Finally, please be sure to check out our T Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of Force Ghost Conversations. And I'm so excited that we're able to dive deep into the new episode of Andor that came out this past week titled Aldhani. And now, uh, if you haven't seen the first three episodes, of course, go check those out. They're really excellent, and you don't want to miss out on all that because we're going to go full deep dive spoilers into episode four on the other side of our segment that we definitely call or affectionately call here Cloud City Gossip, which is our rundown of the Star Wars news over the past week here. Now, I will say that this has actually been a lighter, lighter week in the realm of Star Wars news, as at least confirmed by Lucasfilm and uh, various publications across the Hollywood sector. So, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, Andor is out on Disney Plus now, ladies and gentlemen, and the first four episodes now, in fact, are available to stream at any second that you want as long as you're a subscriber to the service. So be sure that you're subscribed, re-up your subscription. You don't want to miss out on any of that stuff. And be sure to watch it week to week as we will most certainly be covering it each and every episode here as they happen on Force Ghost Conversations. Also, Hasbro PulseCon 2022 took place this past Saturday. At this convention, fans were treated to first looks at numerous new action figures in both the Star Wars and Indiana Jones lines. Now, be sure to check out Hasbro's website for more details, the specifics of those figures, and where to pre-order them. So if you're a fan of all that, and I know the holiday season is coming up, you don't want to miss out on that, get something for that special person in your life who loves action figures, and especially from, uh, from those intellectual properties. And that is it for the news for this week. Cloud City Gossip will uh, come to a close for this episode. And on the other side of this break, we'll be back with our discussion on Andor Episode 4. Okay, who's ready to get into the nitty-gritty of this episode? Now, Episode 4, Aldhani, as it is called, is really spectacular, and what I'm going to preface now, folks, is this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the episode, what are you doing? Pause this episode right now, go pull up your Disney+, Plus, go to Andor, watch episode 4, Aldhani, and then come right back to this, because it is really, really, really well done. There's a lot of Easter eggs 
to various things in the Star Wars galaxy. Some new players get brought into the game. And if you thought that the pacing was slow in the first three episodes, potentially, I mean, I obviously don't have that opinion. But if you did, I think it really picks up with this episode here. And you're getting all these different aspects that really expand the Star Wars galaxy together and make this story tie into the actual things that are happening that are tangible across the galaxy. So this really brings you into the scope of it all through this episode. The first note that I want to make here about Aldhani is that it's directed by Susanna White and it was written by Dan Gilroy. Now, if you paid attention during the first three episodes of Andor that were released on Disney Plus, they were all directed by Toby Haynes and written by Tony Gilroy, the showrunner for this series. So this is the first time that we're getting, uh, if you will, a kind of a different approach, a different team behind the scenes that are that are uh, helming this episode, of course, with uh, Tony Gilroy over overlooking the entire project, but just you know some some fresh blood in the mix, if you will. Take that take that as uh, you know if, if that means something to you, then good. If not, then all right. Something that also that I want to start off with is literally the first thing that you see in this episode is the is the theme music plus the end or kind of title line, if you will. The theme music in this compared to the other three, as far as I understand, is a really fast tempo and and it's upbeat in a way. You know, it's indicating that there's this like escape, right? It's it's that it's that follow through of episode three to four here, right? If you were to watch this as one continuous story, which I think is what they're trying to definitely do, it's not really um, monster of the week, if you will, kind of storytelling. It is a through line story for sure. So it indicates that there's a follow up straight from the escape on Ferrix to uh, to where they're at now. And it starts off with literally that post escape. They've they've left Ferrix. Cassian and Luthen literally just met a few moments before and they're continuing literally that conversation that they had in that warehouse where they're trying to, I mean, this is really Luthen's last attempt here at trying to pull Cassian into the mix. He gives them this, this med nog, which I thought was an interesting thing to add to that, to the, to the fun bank that we call star Wars canon. It's the first time that I've ever heard of something like that, right? It's it's not eggnog for sure. It's like mednog. It's uh, it's like a cough syrup or you know some type of medicine. Some who knows Pepto Bismol. I don't know. Whatever some over the counter saving uh thing. I, I don't even know what to describe it. Right? It's a medicine. Right? That's that's literally in liquid form. That uh, he just <laughs> takes a sip of and uh, makes it a little bit better, right? He still has this blaster bolt that'll have to be cleaned up later on by the group on Old Hani, but he seems to get the job done. He also Luthen clearly likes to keep a tight ship around, as he complained at Cassian that you're bleeding out on my floor. <laughs> Take care of this now, boy. Luthen again, like I mentioned before, he's he's really trying to court Cassian to the greater cause here, and he's still, you know, Cassian is kind of being wishy-washy and coy about. It. He kind of felt like, in a way, that he was forced into this by uh, circumstances of the episode before where literally those pre-more cops were going to take them out if, if or at least bring him in, uh, let, let alone who knows what's going to happen after that. But it wasn't going to be pretty, that's for sure. He, uh, he, Cassian, again, is he's, he's back and forth on this. Uh, he's, he's trying to... Luthen, at the end of the day, is really trying to get Cassian to accept this truth that he can make more effective change to to put a stick in the eye of the emperor and get paid for it. a real stick. Uh, that's a direct quote from from Luth in there. But we got a little bit of canon here. Cassian evidently was at Mimban, 
right? If you recall, Mimbom is that planet that Han is actually on when he is an Imperial soldier in Solo, a Star Wars story, that mud planet. That is Mimbom. And frankly, if, if you think about it, I think the timing actually lines up correctly for where this all lines up. So potentially a young Han and a young Cassian may have crossed paths at some point. It would, you know, it's not, it's not out of their own possibility. Evidently Cassian said only one out of 50 of or one of 50 uh, from his group survived. So he was one of them and he evidently was only on Mimbon for like two months and was a, a I think a deserter if, if uh, memory serves correct based off of what Luthen shared. He started off as a cook and then, you know, survived on his own means there and, who knows? I wonder if he if he met Han along the way. Uh, it's it's hard to say. Hard to say. But maybe there's a fun canon story elsewhere that we'll get as uh, as more stories get told down the line. But that's a that's a neat little like you talk about an Easter egg. That's like a sprinkle of salt on uh, on your beef Wellington there, if you know what I mean. Sorry, folks. Just wanted to take a sip of my water in order to stay hydrated here. It's always important to. Stay hydrated as you keep talking into the mic. Uh, otherwise, I don't want the voice to get all super scratchy for you all at home and to really lose this great podcasting experience that you're having, hopefully. Now, Luthen really is trying his best to, to get Cassian on board with this rebellion cause that he's got cooking up over here, if you will. He says, wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? He, I came for you, right? He he. It's not like he just pulled Cassian's name out of a hat. I feel like this has definitely been a long, I guess, courting process, if you will. But it's not like Cassian knew about Luthen the way that Luthen knows about Cassian. And it seems like it's been going on for maybe months, who knows how long. But he certainly has had his eye on him for quite some time. He's known the skills. He's known the backstory. It kind of fits in line with this vision that he had in his head for this perfect spy for these missions that he's going to need in order to make the rebellion a success and a, a realistic possibility for affecting change in the galaxy and i honestly think that luthan is is much more confident and believes in cassian more so than cassian even believes in himself right there's some there's a truth within cassian that he's holding on to that holds him back that he needs to let go of whatever that is something familial wise maybe it's that canary stuff trying to find his sister um maybe he wants clarity and closure on that but he it's something's holding him back i think and he doesn't trust himself the entire way he wants to be this loner he doesn't want to be a part of this group share relationships with friends i mean he's he obviously he's been hurt along the way and i think he's going to have to overcome some of that own personal trauma within him in order to uh, become the realized figure that we see in the rebellion in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So Luthen offers Cassian a choice, several choices actually. He can like kill him, try and take the ship. He can get dropped off somewhere, or he can join in on this cause. And then he starts. Some, and Cassian evidently comes to the conclusion he's like, "All right, I'll do this for you." Um, he also gets paid for it too. So there's a bit more coercion to join the cause a bit more. Which, you know, sometimes you have to incentivize your team in order to know their tricks and skills to, to get them to enact in the in the cause that you're looking for. It's smart leadership by Luthen, if you ask me. Um, 
Cassian is offered this job five days. Uh, if he survives and delivers, he gets 200,000 credits from from Luthen, and the job is to steal quarterly payroll for an entire imperial sector, and this takes place on the planet of Alhani, which is why the title of the episode is is affectionately called that. Elsewhere, though, we get to see Coruscant again, ladies and gentlemen. Coruscant is back. I, as a prequel kid, literally squealed seeing that grand plant city planet once more. I mean, you know what I'm talking about at home. It's Coruscant. It's the capital of the galaxy. It's where the, the Republic was. It's where the Jedi Temple was. The main Jedi Temple, I, I should say. It's where the Council was. It is basically the heart of the prequel trilogy, right? Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, for sure. They all have very pivotal and important scenes on Coruscant. So the fact that it's back in the fold again and seeing it, frankly, for the first time in live action, other than that little bit in Kenobi, this is honestly the first time in a large scale format since Revenge of the Sith, which is really, really cool. Really cool. And we even get to see the Imperial Security Bureau, too, the ISB. This episode really is riddled with first for Star Wars fans. And even in that Imperial Security Bureau briefing, which, golly gee, what a what a lesson in bureaucracy that one was. I mean, this guy just wants his quarterly reports back. Whew! That's a, that's a nightmare work situation, if you ask me. You're just constantly being harassed for where your reports are at. Whew. There's a Ryloff reference. Of course, there's a Scarif reference, too, at this meeting. Like I mentioned before, from what I get, the ISB is literally nothing but bureaucracy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how a rebellion endures, survives, makes effective change, enacts what they need to do. That is, frankly, how Cassian gets under the skin of them all. They say security is an illusion. We are healthcare providers. I mean, come on, everybody. They're already deluding themselves into this grandeur, thinking that they're not just on paper what they are, that they think that there's something beyond that. They locate germs. I mean, wow, they look at the rebellion and any threats to the empire as basically diseases that need to be eradicated, which is quite brutal. Um, and I believe that is major, I believe it's major part of guys. Uh, I don't quote me on the major part of the title, but uh, I believe the last name is part of guys is the leader of this ISB uh, security group that is on Coruscant, or at least this, this, uh, this band that we, get to know in this episode so cassian when he joins up on this group on aldhani uh, he's, he's told by luthan to t- assume a code name and he chooses clem for this special job which from what i recall is a reference to his adoptive father clem clem andor whom we believe to have been hanged as luthan shared in his initial meeting with cassian from episode three now, on Aldhani, Vel is the leader of this mission. And frankly, you see the scenery all around Veldhani, or not Vel, but Aldhani. And I just frankly love how this looks. You can tell that the hills and mountains of Scotland are absolutely beautiful for these onset locations. And it's really refreshing to see uh, onset locations really on the back in the fold against Star Wars. Nothing against the volume whatsoever, but it's just nice to have just a change of pace for a little bit here. The mission goes off in three days, and it sounds like. Cassian is really the pivotal piece in order to make the mission a success. Now, have you forgotten about Cyril Carnival? We certainly have been here at Force Ghost Conversations. And obviously, like I surmised in last week's episode, he is not doing well after his ma- massive failure and, and shortcomings in his attempt to 
bring Cassian under justice for the murder of those two uh, pre-more operatives. Uh, the Imperials have taken full authority over the Morlana sector now as a result of his disobedience and ineptitude, which for a person that loved his job as much as he does uh, and security and the Empire and all that, he's... he's a, <laughs> I can only imagine what's going through his mind right now. It's definitely not not something great. And again, we get more of the interplay of Imperial ISB politics throughout this episode, which is just fascinating to me. Why, in the end of the day, does jurisdiction matter? Why? Why? The bureaucracy and infighting as to who gets to claim jurisdiction or glory is frankly a hindrance to the Empire. They covet power and status, which are at the cost of smashing others in their wake. They are not trusting of their colleagues or even so-called friends. And that's the rebellion, obviously, on the other hand, I would say is for the most part, is generally the complete opposite, in my opinion, right? That's how the empire is able to be defeated. The rebels believe in each other. They trust their friends. They form this bond together, even though they don't have the numbers, the equipment, the personnel, the resources. That's how they're able to topple an empire. I'll get off my soapbox now. Luthen, meanwhile, heads back to Coruscant. And frankly, this is one of the best parts of the episode, if you ask me, is his complete transformation and change into a different person, both in looks and personality. It is astounding to me, frankly, how he goes back from being a rebellion off official operative leader, I don't really know what his what he would claim himself to be at this point, to an antiquities dealer. I mean, that's just great. What great acting, as you can tell, from Stellan Skarsgård, too, as you literally see the change in both his posture and demeanor, too. That's incredible work, incredible work. I, I'm excited to see how this plays out over the like the course of the season here, because I don't think this is just a throwaway uh, part of the episode, or even the series. It is pretty wild to me, too, that when you're back on, I'm back on Altani, of course, it's wild to me that the Rebel Force with Vel is primarily using AK-47s as their weapons, which... Even for Star Wars, it's not a first that they would just, you know, take real-world weapons and kind of manipulate them a little bit there. I know in, like, A New Hope, obviously, I think the one blaster is a basically a Luger pistol. No, it's not a Luger. It's a broom handle pistol. Sorry. Um, as well as several other German weapons I've seen, like a, uh, a MG42, uh, an MG34, right? There's various different weapons there, similar uh, from basically... I would imagine, which were, you know, use the things that you have around you, and when you need to create things, surplus military weapons are are usually in, in, in high supply, so they just modify those a little bit to make them seem space sci-fi-esque, if you will. But they didn't seem to make a whole lot of changes to the AK-47s, which is kind of a standout there. I mean, it's not a complaint for me at all. I just wanted to point it out to those at home that may have missed it. Now, for this team that they have on Aldhani here, there's Skeen, Tamarin, Nemec, Sinta, Vel, Gorn, and of course Clem, who is Cassian Andor. They are, all these people in the group are, seem to be very hesitant about bringing in Cassian into their team, and I would say probably is rightfully so. It is hard to trust anyone these days, especially as the Empire has spies everywhere, is kind of a, a, a hallmark talking point of what Mon Mothma is is uh, suggesting throughout the episode that she's being followed, and you know I, it's very understandable for what the uh, Empire is trying to do because uh, you know they want to hold on to their power, and the only way to ensure that is to com 
completely tighten your grip. Back to Cyril Karn, though. He is also taking a trip home to Coruscant after his demotion, expulsion, something like that. He heads down to a lower level of Coruscant, which is an, it's an indicator based off of uh, Coruscant culture of a lack of wealth, status, and privilege. Now, perhaps that is why he was so thrilled to receive this high rank and position that he had in the pre-more security force. Um, so there may be some familial interplay about uh, that, that job that didn't necessarily come to the forefront in those first three episodes. His mom gives him both a slap and a hug upon greeting him at the door, which is quite a wild welcome. I would not want that. Do not. I hope my mom is listening to this episode. Do not do that. Do not slap me. I will, I will accept a hug, but not a slap. Just saying. <laughs> so the scenery on Old Hani. Let's go back to Old Hani, folks. The scenery and group on Old Hani reminded me so much of Willow. I mean, that set design... It's literally like I feel like I just took the some of the villages on Willow and just put it onto onto uh, onto the set here. Golly gee, I just can't wait for that show. I'm so excited for November. It's Willow time soon, ladies and gentlemen. But we'll time and place for that. Time and place for that. Let's let's go back to Coruscant and talk about Mon Mothma for a second. And, and, and let, I said the words Mon Mothma. She's back, ladies and gentlemen. She meets Luthen for the first time in this series as an appointment to get a gift for her husband's quote-unquote day of days, which I imagine is the equivalent for a birthday uh, from Chandrilla, the home planet of Mon Mothma. Also, something that was new for the canon folks at home is that she is married, which is apparently someone named Perrin, seems to be the name of her husband. Luthen offers her a military weapon, which is an Utapauan monk sujil, kujil, something like that, which looks really metal if you ask me, and also Utapau, for those at home, are is the planet that Obi-Wan hunts down Grievous on in Revenge of the Sith and takes him out, and that's where also Order 66 starts for uh, Obi-Wan. So I'm, I'm against, I'm sure you could watch several videos on YouTube of the Easter eggs that you could potentially see in the entire Antiquities Den that Luthen runs on Coruscant, um, the one that I could tell best appears to be the hand signals of the father, daughter, and son from the Mortis arc from Clone Wars, and later the entry door into the world between worlds from Star Wars Rebels. Now, that is a pretty neat Easter egg, if you ask me, but be sure to check out those other videos I'm sure are just all over the internet right now if you want to see what else may be in that shop. Now, of course, this visit wasn't just a business interaction to procure a gift for her husband. It was actually a secret rebellion meeting in the back as they had to get away from her driver, who could potentially be an Empire spy. Mon Mothma does feel the weight of those potential spies around her. She's talking about it. She goes to the bank, and they're all it's all new faces there, they, the spies in the Senate, what, so on and so forth. She wants to bring someone new into this like circle, as she called it, with Luthen. Now, I wonder who's in this circle to begin with, if it's just two of them, uh, or if it's expanded, say, like a bill... Organa, maybe a fulcrum or two. And she wants to bring a new person in this, and I wonder who could that be? Let the speculation begin, folks. But speculate responsibly, of course, too. 
Now, back on Coruscant as well, in another sector of it, we get to see a little bit of Mon Mothma's apartment, and the interior design is really excellent. I love that there are trees mixed in throughout the space. It's really great. Now, Perrin, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be the best husband in the world. He makes reference to Sly Moore coming to the dinner. Some of you may know who that is. That's one of some of the, uh, the in the vizier's office for the uh, for the, the the I guess the the chancellor in the emperor's office. Just look up a picture of Sly Moore Star Wars, and and you'll know who I'm talking about. I believe this person is also in the. Uh, infamous scene from Order 66, or not Order 66, but Revenge of the Sith, where uh, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis is explained to Anakin Skywalker, and uh, this person is told to leave to create space for Anakin and uh, Palpatine to have that conversation. So uh, clearly they're going to have a fun time at this dinner, especially since these folks are uh, detractors from everything that Mon Mothma wants to get accomplished in the Imperial Senate. And uh, I'm glad that Perrin thinks they're fun people, but I don't think that you know his wife is going to love having this, this wonderful conversation at the dinner table. He's a bit condescending towards Mon Mothma as well. Must everything be boring and sad? Now, I will say, dude, you do know that you are married to a public servant, right? Those people are, usually don't have the luxury of, quote-unquote, turning off their brain from helping people. Well, at least the good ones do, I will say. Now, on Aldhani, there's a bit of the story of what the, the mission is going to entail, Right, they they're pushed up against all odds basically in order to achieve this mission. There's a small garrison because they everyone would be stupid to uh, attempt such an activity on this planet, and there's only a nine minute really window that they can make it happen and escape in an appropriate time before the Tie Fighters will get to them and and take out the ship because the ship isn't fast enough in order to outrun Tie Fighters. Evidently, there's this thing that happens once every three years called. Makani Bradani, which is called the basically the Eye of Aldhani. And it is essentially a meteor shower, which is, opens up, quote unquote, an eye to the galaxy. And it is a spectacular event, frankly, that's described by the group here. And I like the notion that it takes place once every three years, too, which I find is a neat Easter egg if you want to look into it further. But which, of course, we're going to here on Forest Coast Conversations is the fact that once every three years is, I think, a reference to. How in the first six Star Wars films that they each came out in three-year intervals, right? So 77, 80, 83, and then of course 99, 2002, 2005 for the prequel trilogy. Now film production has gotten a lot faster in, in this day and age. So the sequel trilogy, 2015, 17, and 19. So they only had to do every other year for, uh, or at least wait for them, which is, I mean, of course, with also the uh, intermixed, spin-off tales of uh, Rogue One and Solo and the Disney Plus series starting. We're really spoiled for what we've got for Star Wars content and don't have to wait so long to starve the audience in between uh, episodes, of course. Now, they seem to get out just before the eye closes in this instance, which uh, uh, it appears to be a miracle if, if it all goes according to plan, which is a big, big, big if, if you ask me here. And that's basically where the episode ends. Cassian is learning more about this crew. He's learning more about his job. 
And it ends on this real cliffhanger here. And and I frankly wish I could have just gone straight into the next episode here because I'm so compelled to find out where the story goes. I want to know what happens to this ragtag group that is going, this this almost seven samurai, if you will, that's going on the suicide mission that's going to try and uh, steal these plans. And, you know, very similar to, to a Rogue One <laughs> in a way. Uh, they have this very minimal opportunity to get in, get out, take care of business. And uh, I want to see where this mission goes and, and hopefully all goes according to plan. But, you know, something's going to go awry. Something's going to go awry, ladies and gentlemen. It never goes according to plan exactly. And I'm just like, super excited to see what this Isle of Altani looks like. I, I think they described it really majestically. And I think that it's going to be something really cool and beautiful. And it's another stellar episode for Mandor, ladies and gentlemen. This is something that really makes you think. This is a thinking Star Wars show, and it makes you contemplate what it is like to live in the galaxy during the dark times that Obi-Wan describes in Episode 4, A New Hope. We're on the ride now of seeing how the rebellion starts and goes from the original trilogy, how it came to pass. At least another side of it, folks, as opposed to what our ghost crew discovered in Star Wars Rebels. And we're onward to next week. Wednesday is just a few days away, so a few short days away, and I'm so excited to get home from work that day and to see another episode of Andor on the television screen. Are you enjoying Andor as much as I am, folks? I'd love to continue the conversation with you all. Be sure to uh, hit us up on our social media channels, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. We're available on it all. If you're a loving force, ghost conversations, be sure to tell your friends about us. But we would really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast site. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It really helps to grow the show and to expand the seats here uh, around the proverbial campfire that is Forest Ghost Conversations. Also, if you love the show, support us in, in uh, other ways, such as buying a T-shirt or... Uh, a coffee mug, what have you. We've got both the design of our Star Wars-based logo, and we also have the design of our Willow-inspired logo on our T Public store. So if you like Force Ghost Conversations that much that you want to sp- literally wear the logo out in public, we would love that. Be sure to do that. Check it out. We've got links on all of our uh, to all of that in the show notes here. And also be sure to check out our previous episodes too if you missed our first three-episode discussion in last week for uh, the first three episodes of Andor. But with that, everybody, we will be back next time next week with a brand new episode talking about Andor episode five. I hope that you have a wonderful week at home. Stay safe, everybody, and may the force be with you. Take care.